Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach. Always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email this week from a woman that said, Carol, I don't know what information is too much. And boy, I get that. You know, when there's a partner of an addict that wants to know how much should she know, then it's really important for her to know what is the minimal amount of information that will make you feel safest because you don't want to contaminate your brain. You don't want to clutter it. You just really want the facts. And so many of these guys, there are so many facts that you don't need them all to know what the issues are. So I would say to you, I know it's hard for you to trust your gut because your gut told you things were okay when they weren't. But now I'm going to tell you, you don't need to know position. You don't need to know all the dates. You don't need to know their names. You just really need to know whatever it will take to make you feel safe. And it's the weirdest thing because sexual addiction is a compulsion. And somehow, some way, when you find out that your partner has a compulsion, you become hypersensitive to compulsions. You want to know everything that you could possibly know. You want to check the phone 15 times a day. You want to check their email account, the Verizon account, the AT&T account. I get that, but you have a choice because you're the healthy one. You don't feel healthy right now because you're shell-shocked. You're traumatized. You have trauma brain, but you've got to take care of yourself. I am Carol Jurgensen Sheets, and what I know to be true is that a lot of predictability here. Now, on occasion, I will say, To somebody who has specific questions, there are no right or wrong answers. You got to decide what it is that you need to do. I say that to the addicts all the time. You know, if you looked at my last uh, YouTube, I told addicts, hey, you need to stay out of that middle circle behavior. Put it in your inner circle behavior because, you know what, as long as you keep it in the middle, I know you don't have to start over, yay, but the truth of the matter is the more you tighten up, you allow yourself to do, the better you do. 
So instead of coming from a place of, I don't want to start all over, I'll get depressed, I'll get discouraged, I'll just give up, you need to say, nope, I'm all right. I'm going to run a very tight ship. I am going to pull in the reins and I'm going to do this in a way that absolutely makes the most sense for me. Now, you all know that sexual addiction is a brain disorder. I mean, when you have trained your brain to create neurocircuitry that is not healthy, then what you need to do is retrain your brain to provide healthiness. And you know what? I mean, I work with thousands of sex addicts. And here's what I know to be true. When they find a recovery program that works and they're working it, it it can from time to time feel boring, but more often than not, it feels secure. It feels safe. It feels like the right thing to do. And when you have created enough of those outer circle behaviors, you're exercising, you have a hobby, you are going to as many meetings as you need to. You have a great sponsor. You are a sponsor. Going to workshops. You're reading the right books. It's a lot of work, but you know what? It's work that absolutely fulfills you just in the same way as getting the right nutrients every day as you feed your body. Now, i got to tell you, I don't know many people that complain about having to eat. There are a few, but I don't know many. And when your recovery program becomes that ingrained that you can't wait to get up to do your reading and your praying and your meditating in the quietness of your own home where the kids are still asleep and your wife's asleep, wow, that's amazing. And maybe you're single, and maybe you don't have kids, and you don't have a wife, and you're all by yourself. Well, rejoice that your time is absolutely positively your own. You have heard me say it before. If you're single, sex addiction is a little bit tougher. And yet, in some ways, you have everything necessary to make your life better. You don't have to worry about somebody else. You can do it without having to schedule it in between your kids' ball games, in between your wife's Bible study, in between your in-laws' visits. You get to do it exactly the way that it meets your needs. Now, I hope you go to my YouTube channel. That is Sex Help with Carol the Coach. I have several. That one will take you to the addict and partner's self-help so you can get six, seven, eight-minute videos on how to make your life different. Then in addition to that, I have Carol Sheets, which is my Carol the Coach videos, and that helps you to take your life to the next level. And I love both of those sites because they both have nuggets in them to make you feel good about being you. And we can't complain about that. That's what you ultimately have to do. One of the things that I absolutely believe is even in the midst of your sexual addiction, you've got to feel good about being you. And when you do, When you feel good about being you, when you believe you're on the right road, when you've had a day of recovery, three days of recovery, 30 days of recovery, recovery, 30 months of recovery, and lo and behold, 30 years of recovery, you can feel like you mastered something that the majority of the world never is able to do. And that is, to really put before you those things, those values, those life skills that absolutely 100% 
take your life to the next level. And really, that is what life is all about. I promise you, with all my heart, I promise you that when you follow through in the discipline that it takes to make your life better, it will exponentially create a sense of self-discipline and self-esteem that anyone would want to be a part of. Now tonight, I'm going to be talking about an intensive program. For many of you that are just tuning in that realize you have this issue and you don't know what's out there, if individual therapy is not enough, then you may need the next level of treatment. That might be individual and group. And if you're doing 12-step meetings, some group therapy, some individual therapy, and you still don't feel like you're getting tracked, then the next level of care is something called intensives. And intensives can be a variety of things. But tonight we're going to be talking to three men that started a private practice in Fort Worth, Texas, called Restoration. And they intensively train you in DBT, Dialectic Behavioral Therapy, and they do these four-day intensives for men struggling to overcome their sex addiction, trauma, and shame. Their intensives include group therapy, individual therapy, psychoeducational discussion, and experiential exercises. And boy, I really believe in that. There's something about experiential exercises that make it really an amazing experience to get past the obstacles and turn them into opportunities. You know, when you can experience something as opposed to talk to it, you oftentimes catapult your recovery. So restoration has these intensives that will help you to identify the causes of your struggles and either you'll get started on the process of healing or if you're in the midst of healing, it will help you to accelerate the process so that you can do in a four-day intensive what might take one, two, three, four months to do with therapy. Sometimes I even know that it could catapult you into a year's worth of therapy in just four days. Now, these men really believe in Dr. Karn's work. And so they have used the research connecting sexual addiction to trauma, family systems, and attachment styles. And in addition, they utilize this approach from a Christian perspective. So this is an intensive that that works from all different areas. And I wanted to talk to them tonight because truly this is another avenue for you to explore and to think about, you know, what can I do? What can I do to make a real difference in my recovery? And although intensive can, they can be costly. They're not the cost of a therapy session. Um, they, They typically cost hundreds if not thousands of dollars. We're not allowed to really talk about that on the air, but what I promise you is whatever you put into recovery, you will get out. And I only interview people that I believe have the best integrity. And these men are all CSAC candidates. They are certified sexual addiction therapists in training, and they have put together this practice specifically for you. And so obviously, This is their mission to help sex addicts get healthy in the best and easiest of ways. That's why I wanted to have them on the show. Restoration, the private practice in Fort Worth, Texas. So they're going to be talking about what is an intensive and, you know, are you appropriate for an intensive, your husband. You know, I know that I have a lot of partners on the line that they want to find out what else is out there 
to bring their family back into a homeostasis balance that that makes the partner feel safe and the addict feel like he's in good recovery. And so what I really admire about intensives is that it's a lot less expensive than if you do a 30- or 45-day treatment program. Those are always good, too. But truly, one of the things that I absolutely believe is that you start out with the least um, intrusive, if you will, type of therapy, and then if you're not getting attraction or if you just know you need more, this is a way to do it. So I am actually going to be welcoming Brandon, John, and Mark on the line. These are our guys from Restoration, and I'm actually going to talk with Mark first. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, so you've got all the guys, and you're going to be talking about intensives today. And and so I'm going to ask you, Mark, you're the okay. person that contacted me, and you uh-huh. really wanted, you wanted our listening audience to know what you had to offer because you have this intensive coming up. So tell us a little bit about the intensive that you plan on holding on January 17th. Okay, thanks. Um, yeah, and I heard what you were saying just as I was tuning in there, and I, I so agree with everything you were saying. It's uh, something that we've wanted to bring to Fort Worth, uh, and uh, our director actually got to spend uh, a day with, uh, I think you know him, Adam Calvert in Alabama, and uh, mm-hmm. got to see what he did there with uh, his intensive and said, we have to have that. So that was kind of the impetus to bring it to Fort Worth. And uh, we are really excited about offering something that can help men with uh, something they don't often look at is their shame and their their uh, their sense of uh, not being uh, able to talk about it in a, any way that's going to be helpful. So there's a lot of hiddenness, and we wanted to have an opportunity for them to come together and see that it's normal that there are other men that struggle with the same thing. Uh, that we can do some activities. It's more than just talk it's going to be some more well, intensive where like you were saying it's it's really going to do a lot to uh, a lot more than just therapy can do in in itself so we'll we'll have well, a lot of John is going to talk more oh i'm sorry so you said john has more information hey john tell us a little bit more hey. about <laughs> why someone would would want an intensive what is an intensive well, I also got to listen to you explain um, a little bit about uh, intensives, and, and I think you're – I just reiterate what you've already said, which is it, it compacts a whole lot of, of, of therapy into a little bit of time because we're, we're actually doing something from early in the morning till, uh, you know, dinner break, and we're constantly in and out of processes, call them games, call them processes – but you're constantly engaged with other participants, with the material in such a way as uh, you have to take ownership of it. But it's, it's, it's intense. It could, that's what it means. But it's an all-day event for four days. Um, and like you said also, it's, it's quite a bit less expensive. You get a whole lot more bang for your buck than to go off. Because I've known several people to go off for 30-, 45-day treatment and spend thousands of dollars. And what I've been told about this uh, training, this intensive, is uh, it equally can be uh, a year's worth of psychotherapy just with an individual therapist. What's nice is it gives the therapist, if the, if the work hasn't been finished, it gives the therapist a whole lot more information to be working with to finish up um, you know, that person's uh, recovery. Mm-hmm. It yeah, jumpstarts yeah. it, it jump either the need they have to, to really catapult their recovery or it jumpstarts when they kind of hit a plateau and they don't know what else they need. Maybe, sure. maybe yeah. it's trauma therapy. Maybe it's therapy around right. attachment disorders, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah and I was going to talk more about that. Um, as the evening progresses, uh, absolutely. 
But the nice thing also about this intensive, it doesn't take you out of your life, you know. So it allows you to be able to take this brief time out, but it doesn't doesn't take you out of your life, uh, you know, for, like you said, 30, 45 days. So you still stay engaged, make a lot of progress in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Well, I bet. So that's I'm another, advan- Brandon, another advantage. I'm, and I'm wondering, since I have Mark and then I have Brandon and John on the phone, I'm wondering, Brandon, what do you think makes your youth your intensive unique compared to other intensives that might be offered out there? Yeah. Um, I think one part is just um, the clinical soundness of the program. As uh, Mark mentioned, Adam Calvert is a uh, CSAT out in Alabama. He's um, originally developed this intensive um, several years back, and so he uh, thankfully is uh, bringing it here to Fort Worth and uh, leading it with us. Uh, we all are, me, Mark, John, are uh, CSAT candidates, so we're, we're going through the training right now. We'll finish that up, thankfully, just coming up here in February. So we've got the, the clinical soundness of um, we understand sex addiction, um, and then also another part is that um, the intensive is coming from a Christian perspective. Uh, at Restoration, we operate from a Christian worldview that informs what we think and, and what we do. But um, I will say that uh, someone does not have to be a, a Christian to benefit from the intensive. We, we work with people from uh, all different uh, faith, um, but th- that is a part of where we're coming from and does inform us. But uh, I do think it's a really unique, special combination to have the uh, clinical expertise and also the um, the Christian perspective as well. Well, and I know all three of you provide that clinical direction. So I'm going to ask John, um, what makes your intensive you know, unique for our listeners? I mean, what can they expect in an intensive? What are they going to work on? Uh, We're going to work on uh, attachment, which is a a large uh, part of uh, what leads people into uh, an addiction because they're having difficulty either through some trauma, early childhood trauma, having difficulty with attachment, finding relationships, uh, emotional intensity that goes along with the relationship. They find it difficult to be authentic and vulnerable in those, so they look for an escape. So we'll be dealing with uh, trauma uh, based on uh, attachment stuff, which would be somewhat unique and different, and that's very uh, CSAT-driven. Yeah, and you know, for many of our listening audience, they may not know what does that attachment theory mean. So can one of you explain why it is you would take an attachment approach and maybe even describe the the four types of attachment? Oh, sure. Yeah, that would be... So in the... um, Well, I think after World War II, they noticed that there were children that were behaving differently in Europe because they had lost their parents due to war. Uh, so there became an interest in uh, why children were behaving not in, really not in their best interest. They were being detached. They were acting out. Uh, so they started doing some experiments. Uh, one was uh, called Stranger Situation, just to see how children were interacting with their uh, mothers, in this case, um, and they just started noticing that there were some children that were that they that they labeled securely attached uh, by watching the interactions between a mother and a child. And, and a securely attached child, uh, when being raised by this mother, they would get their emotional needs met. And the child could uh, be secure in knowing that um, those emotional needs are going to be met. The mothers were very attentive to the child. 
And um, in the stranger situation, in fact, these children would uh, be distressed about a situation with a stranger. The mother would come back in. Uh, they would, uh, the mothers would uh, comfort them and care for them. And these children grew up to be adults who, when they went out into the world, they approached people with the attitude. They would make the attribution because their mothers and their fathers did this, that this, that people were here genuinely as a source of care and comfort. And they labored them securely attached. Uh, and by some estimations, the, the general population today, there's about 45% of the people that would um, assess as securely attached. Then there was uh, a group of children uh, that grew up in homes of which sometimes their emotional needs were met and sometimes they weren't met. And the child would never know uh, when that was going to happen. So they labeled them securely attached because they would do things when they didn't think their needs were being met. They would do things that would cause the parent to pay attention to them. And um, sometimes they would get, uh, you know, whiny, they would cry, they would do something to make sure that somebody knew that they were there and their need needed to be met. They grew up, though, unfortunately, to be uh, children who were um, coercive and manipulative when their needs weren't being met. They were relying on other people to make sure that they felt better about their circumstances whenever they would get distressed, and so they would make sure that other people were there. Um, and use whatever means possible. And most of the time it was the emotions. Um, and then there was the avoidantly attached child. That was a child that even these experiments were done with 18 to 24 month old children. And even by that age, uh, these children already had made the, de the decision that uh, people were not there for their emotional welfare. They weren't there as a source of care and comfort. So when they went into the world as adults, uh, they would make the attribution to people that they that people aren't necessarily there for me, and they would grow up to be self-reliant, self-sufficient, independent, rather uh, autonomous, and at the same time desire to be in a relationship, but never fully trusting that somebody would be there to meet their needs. Um, and that would well, be absolutely. Uh, a, 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 yeah. So they experience this trauma early on. And, and so what kind of comparison do you see to sex addicts and the kind of little T or big T trauma they've experienced or the attachment issues they've had in their families? Right. So there was a study that came out, uh, I believe, in the 90s uh, called the ACE study, right, Adverse Childhood Experience and uh, Experiences. And those were, the, those were the small T traumas that uh, happened over a long period of time. So if a child was, even if they experienced abuse or just witnessed some form of abuse, some form of abandonment, be it through divorce or you know, some substance addiction by a parent or divorce, some kind of thing which a child was felt left abandoned, maybe neglected because of a, maybe a mental health disorder on one of the, one of the parents' or the, the whole family system, they would grow up uh, being traumatized. And that trauma would stay with them into adulthood, and then they would start reacting out of uh, that trauma. The distress that they would experience as a child, they would take into adulthood, and when they would experience that same distress in adulthood, they would continue to use uh, ineffective uh, strategies that they developed that as a child that weren't real, um, you know, uh, strategic. They weren't well um, defined. So they just stayed with those childhood decisions. Yeah, and, and you and I both I know as, that Patrick Carnes talks about oftentimes in childhood when a child is experiencing that kind of neglect or abuse, that if they combine that, with um, masturbation or with compulsive fixation on sexual stimuli, a fusing occurs, and early on in their life, they can really have solidified the need to act out or act in and deal with trauma. So they really do learn how to medicate 
their feelings, mm-hmm. their fears, and all sorts of things with sex, whether that's masturbation or looking at magazines or looking at Internet porn, whatever the age of the mm-hmm. child. So you actually help men deal with this kind of fusing in your intensives. Is that correct? Well, right. Correct, yeah. When they didn't get the appropriate, uh, you know, technology or information or strategy skills to alleviate their distress. So with DBT in our practice, we help people do emotional regulation skills or some distress tolerance skills. But a child who grows up with adverse childhood experience, they don't develop those skills. So then all of a sudden they're left at a, a very critical age of another attachment phase, not just the early childhood, but the attachment strategy going into uh, an early adulthood, teenage years, and they're experiencing those distresses that come with life. They're discovering that they're a sexual uh, being. If they haven't had a you know an abusive sexual experience earlier than that, it very well could be that they used uh, their pornography, masturbation. Uh, sex with other people as a way to alleviate their distress. And, and as soon as you you use, you combine distress tolerance with the highly emotionally charged uh, experience of sexuality, then you have the makings of an addiction because the brain is just hardwired to remember the things that relieve distress. So if you continue mm-hmm. to use that strategy of say, pornography, masturbation, or uh, just uh, uh, sexual relationships with other people to, as a stress-tolerant uh, stress skill, then you're setting yourself to be, to be an addict. Well, absolutely. Most of the time, so I'm going right, right? oh, to I wanted to ask you, because obviously – that may give some of our listening audience an idea of their own childhood and what they may have experienced. And they may know, hey, I do want an intensive. I do want to work on these issues. So let me just ask Mark for a second. Who do you think is the ideal attendee for this type of intensive? Okay, that's a great question. Um Anyone who has uh, been kind of struggling to even get started on this journey, uh, I think this is a great way to help them uh, make that start, get some help, some real tools. One of the things that you you just asked about, uh, if the intensive was going to help with the the trauma and how that kind of gets fused with... uh, uh, sexuality, their sex, uh, and that becomes an addiction, a sex addiction. Uh, we will be doing a lot of, uh, what I love about this intensive is going to be doing a lot of right brain kind of activities rather than left brain, and I'll let John talk more about that or Brandon, but I'm going to answer your question right now, but I just wanted to say that, that uh, that's where we will really find a lot of, uh, of help for people. Uh, it's more than just uh, talking about concepts and ideas and logic, it's going to actually be some experiences that get to where the trauma is, which is pretty much located in the, the right brain. So uh, the, uh, but the thing that, that people have, I think, gotten frustrated with a lot of times, men have tried to help themselves or women to get started, but it's it's like I can understand this, but I keep doing this. There's a compulsivity, there's a, a drivenness, there's a you know, a, a sense of uh, this is, uh, can I even stop this because I keep doing it over and over and over. And we want to help them see that that's all, uh, w- w- those are some core beliefs we'll even talk about, how that's not actually accurate. It's just what you have come to believe because of uh, the way you've been ineffectively handling your trauma uh, all your life. But so people that need to get started, it'll help them with some experiences to break up some ice. And then there's some people that have been going uh, to therapy for a while. And maybe, I think you mentioned this earlier, that they may have reached a plateau. They may have just leveled out and felt like this is as good as it gets. And we want to do some, like I said, some experiential things that really kind of shake that up and communicate to them in a different way beyond just talk so that they can 
uh, get free of that plateau, get past that hump, and keep going on. And then I think maybe the next thing I'd say is people who have been uh, through this and have been working on it for a long time, and maybe they haven't uh, plateaued, but uh, they really just want to go deeper. They want to find uh, more sense of meaning in themselves, understanding themselves and others, connecting with people, and and uh, they, you know they, they've become stable. They've they've uh, done some internal work, some external work, and some family work. But they really they really want to just uh, connect with other men, or you know that have gone through this and have uh, can see that they're not alone and get some support and and be able to go back and uh, apply some some practical skills to their lives that will keep them from re-injuring themselves or anyone else. So um, I guess that was a pretty long answer to your question. <laughs> no, I liked it. And, and you said who, who would be best to talk about kind of that brain activity? Should you say Brandon or John? Yeah, right, either one. Yeah. <laughs> he's our brain map guy. Yeah, there right, you go. <laughs> yeah, he's our brain guy. Okay. Um, well, 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 as, as Mark said, um, that the intensive, it, it will be more than just talk therapy. It, it will be um, experiential in nature. That's going to be a big component of it. Um, there's a lot of guys who can kind of talk all day about it, and that's that's one thing. But mm-hmm. um, like, like Mark said, break up some of the ice where it's, I can talk about it, but I don't understand it, and I still feel this compulsive piece to it, and I feel shame about it, but I keep doing it. Why am I doing it? Um, so that's where the experiential exercises are going to come into um, during this intensive, um, I'd say going back to the uh, what John was saying about the trauma is that um, <clears throat> Trauma oftentimes is, is stored as an implicit memory versus explicit, and so it's mm-hmm. stored in the body. And um, just talking about it doesn't quite release that energy, as one way to say it. And so um, the experiential exercises are just a way to try to reach that other side of the brain, the right side that um, you might not always get in a typical hour of therapy. Uh, The right brain, more emotional, spatial, artistic. And so there will be various things we're doing of drawing, building, moving, talking, role-playing, different kind of, I guess, out-of-the-box exercises to try to... um, uh, release some of that energy um, uh, as we've discussed uh, the sex addiction oftentimes is linked to trauma and so uh, we'll be dealing with the addiction by dealing with their uh, with their trauma by trying to unlock some of those implicit memories and deal with it in a in a different way that they've uh, probably have tried before Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. So let me ask you guys, because you talked about it's not just talk therapy, it's experiential work. And I'm supposing that you mean gestalt work, things that actually where the men role play their own dramas and traumas from their childhood. And I know that can sound kind of... um, Oh, I, I always call it, because I do it too, I call it sitcom therapy. It sounds silly, but it really <laughs> works. When you've got somebody who's doing their work, talking to their father, you know, sculpting their family, it really makes real the situations that are in their life. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, this intensive? You said it'd be experiential in nature. What does that actually mean? Well, uh, we are going to uh, 
We're going to be doing uh, dyads where you're getting together with one other person. We'll do trauma eggs. We'll do some. I mean, a lot of these things, quite honestly, if we told you, um, it might take away some of the, the surprise element. Uh, we don't want people to know what's behind the curtain so they can prepare. But essentially it is, you're right, it's, we're, we are taking sledgehammers physically, actually doing things with our body, um, uh, drawing, using, like, as Bland said, that right brain. Because the, look, here's the deal. If we're, we have to use both hemispheres of our brain to be able to do the problem solving necessary. So here's what we have learned from neuroscience. Prefrontal, left, right brain activity is what we're, we're going to be able to solve the problem. We're going to be able to be creative and come up with new solutions to an old mm-hmm. problem that has plagued us. But when we just get stuck on the left brain and we're just reporting and giving information, the, the solution, the, the more elegant solution is not there because we're only using half our brain. Here's what's really important. So not only are we doing problem solving by doing these creative, out of the more experiential type of bent, but when it comes to making the decision to follow through, decision making happens in that emotional brain. So what we know about, you know, our average sex addict is they typically are the avoidant uh, type of of uh, attachment. So really, they've done everything they can to avoid the kind of authenticity, the kind of vulnerability that they're going to experience in these exercises, uh, in these events. So that when it comes, so that when they're using both sides of the brain, so when it comes time to make a decision of whether I'm going to be celibate or not, whether I'm going to say no to this, while my brain has done all this wonderful left-right thinking, when it comes to the decision-making part, that's going to be all the emotional brain. And we got to connect that to the experience as well because 98% of decision-making happens in that emotional brain. And for our average addict out there who is, you know, avoidantly attached, that's the one thing they don't want to do. Now, I can't even tell you, when, when you when you got somebody who has made their life's strategies to avoid intimacy avoid vulnerability, that kind of connection, and we're going to do that, really all, really what we're telling you is don't come to this thing, right? Because this could just be your nightmare, right? But, but here's mm-hmm. the deal. It, avoid if this. You really do, but, you know, that's, well, that's one thing, right? Because their whole life has been based on, i got to avoid intimacy or this kind of emotional. But, but trust me on this one. And when you go through this process and you engage both sides of your brain and – you're doing it with your emotional brain as well. When you come out of it, not only do you have new ways of looking at a problem because you use left and right hemisphere, but you've also engaged that emotional brain because that's the one that's going to help you make the decision hmm. to live a life worth living. Does that make sense? So oh, on one 100%. hand, I go, well, I can, okay, well, what I, I can tell you everything that's going to happen. But what I do is the, the avoider is going to go, nah, I don't think so. Maybe another time because they have this, they have this emotional investment in not doing the things. But, but I think the cat's out of the bag. Uh, we are going to do lots of things, yes, that will make them feel uncomfortable, but we're going to make them connect relationally and with their emotional brain. And we're going to take this information in very creative ways. Um, and that's, those are the processes. Gonna not just do the standard, you stand up and talk, but we're going to actually do some very creative process that engage that right brain. I don't know. Can I, can I just leave it there? And be, <laughs> give away you the may food? leave it there, and I can really appreciate the fact that you don't awesome. want a spoiler to occur. You're doing some hey, good work, you. and you want them to, to look Thank forward you. That's a great to word. Yes. Yes, the novelty Life of, change, of the intense. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, it's going to also, be so incredible. Yeah. I'd like to say also that it it's um the uh, we're not going to you know force anybody to do anything. Of course, it's going to be by encouragement and invitation. But the thing about that, what I love what John was saying, but the, the left brain, the right brain coming together to make effective choices 
it it's something that we all do some of this in our own uh, private practice, and it's uh, and and John does EMDR and and uh, Brandon does uh, neurofeedback and brain mapping, and so one of the things we do with trying to combine those two things is what emerges is a middle path, is a, a sense yeah. of intuition and insight and wisdom that they're going to forge. And a lot of times clients will ask me, well, just tell me what to do. <laughs> what, <laughs> tell me, what is the middle path? What is it? You know, and, just, you know, and I say, I, I can't. That will emerge for you as you are engaging both sides of your brain. So that's why we're really excited about this is because we really want to give people that other side experience of their brain that they have just really pretty much not had. And it's not to neglect the other yeah. side, it's just to, to get both of them firing and to let them merge and, and have something new. And they'll, they will leave with a sense of newness and direction that came out of their own selves. And that's the most powerful thing, and we just love to see that. So that's that's kind of maybe a not spoiler alert, but it's just a, that's no, our, there'll be an empty, our passion. Yeah, is. there'll be an empty chair or two, right? You know, so yeah. uh, we'll, use, we'll use that as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now, you guys, I want to ask you, as our listening audience is hearing about this incredible intensive that, that actually Restoration is putting on from January 17th through the 20th, it is a four-day intensive, um, mm-hmm. tell them how they can get a hold of you so that they can register for, for the intensive. That's a great question. Yeah, I've got it. Right here, they can either go to uh, discoveryintensive.com or they can call us at 817-291-9872. And uh, they can register both ways. Mm -hmm. Repeat that one more time. Okay. The website is, uh, of course, www.discoveryintensive.com. And the uh, phone number is 817-291-9872. And when they, um, let's just say they call to find out more about that. Is there an Mm -hmm. intake person that's going to take their name, talk a little bit about the program, get them registered if they want to be registered right away? What can they expect? Yes, exactly. Amy is our wonderful uh, intake person and she will do exactly what you just described so uh yeah they can just call her and she will take care of them got it because obviously i i really do believe in intensives i think they are incredible and for our listening audience some facilities some private practices offer couples intensives some cover individual addict intensives some cover partner intensives and this is a four-day intensive intensive for sex addicts that really want to work on how their sex addiction has developed. And and these guys have been trained to look at it through the lens of Patrick Carnes. And we all know that Patrick Carnes is the guru of sex addiction. He started SAA. He trained certified sexual addiction therapists. And you guys really believe in the recovery tax, don't you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. And I love that you're taking his work and you're combining it with trauma. I mean, not every sex addict has been through big T trauma, and big T means huge trauma, right. like being molested or being physically abused. But we all have had some sort of trauma. And so you look at it through the lens of trauma, and you look at it through family systems and what, what went on in their families that may have contributed to this addictive process. And then you look at that attachment style that you talked about earlier because we all know that sex addiction typically shows up as an intimacy disorder. It is difficult mm-hmm. to attach when, you're, when you've got a sexual addiction. Would you not agree? Totally, yes. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, we just I know that you work with feelings and I always say there are these five primary feelings and then two additional emotions and they are anger, sadness, loneliness, fear, happiness, shame and guilt. 
So how do you think that anger, fear, and shame play into sexual addiction? And I'll just let any of you decide who's going to talk next. Brandon, you want to take that? I feel like I've, feel like I've talked a bunch yeah. already. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I, I would say in a, in a few different ways. Um, one, I would say for the fear, um, for fear and anger, um, those are uncomfortable emotions. There's a lot of energy with that emotion. And um, if we think about just the, the process of sex, masturbation, orgasm, there is a release to that. Um, dopamine's being released, endorphins are being released, and it calms the nervous system. And so um, really the, the acting out behavior is a way for the person to calm themselves. Um, usually after the acting out, then a person feels a sense of shame. And um, shame is, to me, I, I would say, and I, I think Mark and John would, would agree, is that shame is the, a, a more devastating emotion to have because how I think about shame is that I am a mistake. Guilt is I made a mistake. Shame is I am a mistake. And um, that's, a, that's a really difficult place to stay and, and be at. And what can, what can provide me some relief from that? And we know with sex addicts, typically what happens is um, then comes fantasizing, uh, ritualizing, kind of preparing for acting out and then acting out. And then after the acting out, again, it's shame. And so it kind of becomes a vicious cycle. Um, and so it's, um, it's, it's ways to deal with those uncomfortable emotions, but in unhealthy ways. So there's, there's yeah, a I'm lot a, that I'm, can be said on that, but that's kind of my yeah. two cents on it, how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some words in Patrick Carney's mouth. I, I think he's one who's suggesting <laughs> uh, there, there's, no, there's no addiction unless there's fear. And, and, and yeah. Like you pointed out earlier, I mean, the the fear is is that I I am not equipped to be able to deal with the stress, and I'm not able to, to deal with the fear of the stress of intimacy. And so, when they fear of intimacy, the stress that goes with it, the acting out begins, and then the shame, just as Brandon suggested, then you get into that shame cycle. And, and based on research with shame, shame always begets anger because now I, I don't want to keep doing this. I found myself doing this again, and now I'm fit. I'm angry mm-hmm. that I'm stuck in this thing again. And that's, mm-hmm. that is the addict's life. They just feel mm-hmm. fear was the thing that kicked it off, the fear of intimacy, the fear of not being able to skills be able to end this distress. And then the shame cycle, once I find myself in this pattern of the anger of not being able to get out of it, I think those are the, Mm -hmm. that's the, Mm -hmm. you know, the soup, that's the, that's the soup of addiction, right? So uh, that's how they all sort of connect together. I think Brandon said it well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think you guys, So now let me just ask you one other thing, because. Okay. You just said you do more than talk therapy, and you do experiential, and anybody who feels like they need to work harder on their addiction or they're stalemated, they're stuck, and they they want to get beyond the impasse, they're appropriate for this intensive. And again, it is in January, January 17th through the 20th, and Mm -hmm. Truly, this is for men that are struggling to overcome their sex addiction, trauma, and shame. We just talked about shame. Shame, of course, meaning that you feel bad about who you are as opposed to 
feel bad about what you've done. Mm-hmm. So, men oftentimes can't imagine being involved in a group. You know, I mean, the 12-step twelve, the, the process really is one of those processes where they can talk or they don't have to. They can pass or they don't have to. And they don't cross-talk, but in this intensive, they really help each other. They almost create kind of a family of choice to get everybody through this. How many men do you hope to have? Yeah, how many men do you hope to have in this intensive? Well, like you said, I think to to be effective, and I'll I'll add to that, right? These guys that are going to show up, men are going to show up, they have worked, many of them worked really hard at this issue. Uh, But what we we want to do through these processes, we just not only want to work hard, and because we believe that they've tried desperately, we want to work smart, and we just think this is the smart approach when you when you use these um, experiential thing to get both brains working. But I think in order to do that, what we're really looking for is this critical mass of 15 to 18. That would be really ideal, so that you can start borrowing from people what you the courage to do something, you start learning from them as, as well as what you're going through. Uh, we, it would be great if we have 18, uh, 15 to 18 people. We, would, we wouldn't turn down 40, uh, but uh, that mm-hmm. critical mass of 15 to 18 would be ideal. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, all right. Well, we have to end for tonight, but one more time, people can contact you by going to the Internet or by giving you a mm-hmm. call. Give them a shout-out again as to who they can talk to and how they can uh, register for the intensive January 17th through the 20th. Okay. Uh, again, it's uh, www.discoveryintensive.com, and, uh, or they can call our number at 817-291-9872, and they will talk with Amy, and she will get them... Uh, all the information they need to get signed up and prepared. Great, you guys. And for our listening audience, that is in Fort Worth, Texas. That's kind of the the Midwest in a way. I mean, if if you're on either (laughs) coast, you're right there in the middle. (laughs) So I highly recommend this intensive because it really does implement Dr. Carnes' work as well as the work with the trauma, the family systems, and looking at attachments to help you understand your sexual addiction and to further your ability to function normally and find the true recovery that you deserve. So, guys, thank you so much for sharing your information. Thank you so much, Carol. You're welcome. You have a great one. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. So obviously those guys are committed to taking your life to the next level. And that's what this show is all about. You've heard me say it before. There will only be one of you at all times. So fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. And I know the holidays are a tough time for you right now. So absolutely bump up your system. I know you don't think you have time for more meetings, but go to more meetings, call your sponsor, Get in with the fellowship, get an extra appointment with your therapist, do a little bit more reading, an extra page. That's all I'm asking you for. And um, you make it a good one, and we will see you next week for more Sex Help with Carol the Coach. And go to my YouTube channel because I'm talking about how to tighten up your bottom line. Have a great one. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 